Hi guys, Princess here and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. This is episode number 19 and I am here. Yes, I am here. I did not get that Rona. I don't have the Rona. Um, I'm hoping not to get the Rona, but I'm probably going to get it. Um, and the reason I'm going to get it is because I have a compromised immune system. Um, I have five kids who love to lick the floors and they're always sick and they just, it's like they want to be sick. It's like, it's like, they're like, how could I get sick and how could I pass it on to my mother? Um, they're out of school for two weeks. Spring break, uh, is happening and then they're going to extend it for another week. So my kids are out of school and they're going to be home with me. So, bleh. <laughs> Um, I'm not, I don't know when I'm going to have time to record this podcast because, um, I like to do it during the day when they're not here so that I can talk as loud as I want to. And I don't have to worry about, um, uh, I, I just don't have to worry about like being interrupted. Like right now I'm doing it. It's, it's in the middle of the night on Friday night and my husband is snoring and I'm pretty sure you can hear him in the background this recording. Hold on one second. Let me, let me, let me, let me go handle that. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. But, like, this is one of the reasons I like to record during the day when no one's around. So, yeah, my kids are going to be home for two weeks. Um, I still have to work. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Ooh. So, um, this is going to be fun. But, you know, I mean, honestly, I'm happy that we're able to quarantine or self-quarantine, whatever the fuck they're calling it. I'm happy that I have food here and that the stores are still relatively stocks and no one's sick so I'm really grateful for all those things I just know like sometimes this puts people off but the fact is like I just know I'm gonna die like (laughs) like we're all gonna die we're all dying slowly and like I just know I'm gonna die and like and like when it's time for my ticket to be punched it's gonna be motherfucking punched and there's nothing I can fucking do about it and so if this is it if this is the last episode of buy pumpkin well (laughs) There's nothing I can do about it. And so like, especially my husband who doesn't, my husband doesn't read the, he doesn't read the news. Obviously he doesn't watch the news. He doesn't do social media. If it's not on Xbox or Twitch, he doesn't know about it. And he just really wasn't paying a lot of attention until his job was like, you know, we might shut down for 30 days. And then he was like, then he calls me and he's like hysterical on the phone. He's like, we need to go. We need to do. And I'm like, what we what where where and then he's telling me we're under martial law and I'm like what's martial law and he was like you don't know what martial law is and I was like I know what it is I just want to know what you think it is because a lot of times you don't know what things are so you tell me what you think it is and then after I'm done laughing I'll tell you what it really is I mean he just so and then also because he um works for our dairy and they deliver all the school milk he knows when the schools are closed before I do because they they cancel their milk order or they don't put in their milk order and so he was able to he was he knows when like he knew like even though the kids were in school today he knew they wouldn't be in school for like at least two weeks after this but he knew this at 7 a.m and they didn't tell anybody this until like 5 p.m and so he's calling me and he's like he wants me to be panicked and like I just don't see any I don't see any value in being panicked about things. I just, like I said, eventually I'm going to die and it might be next week. And I've done, I've got my affairs in order. I've got a whole binder full of shit. So my husband knows what to do because he doesn't know where our life insurance is because he doesn't do paperwork. <laughs> but I, I've got, I've also written him a nice little plan for what he should do with his life afterwards. <laughs> he doesn't know about that part, but I did. And like, I've done what I can. And so, I don't know. I just don't see the benefit of panicking. It's just not, it's not in my nature. And it annoys me when other people like get real hyped about shit around me. And like right now my mom's calling me all the time because she's working from home, which she hates. My mom hates working from home. And she's like constantly calling me, telling me how much she hates working from home. How like, because she used to see her clients by phone now. And normally she would go out to their homes and stuff to, um, to counsel them about what they need to be doing. And she's complaining to me that she has to talk to them by the phone when one day she called me from her car to let me know she was going in the home of someone and she was sure they had bed bugs. So she was leaving all her worldly possessions in the car because if her phone got bed bugs, her phone, by the way, 
she was going to quit her job. So my mother leaves everything. She needs paperwork too. She didn't even bring the fucking paperwork. She's like, I'm going to remember it. So she <laughs> leaves all the shit in the car, walks into the person's house and stands in the middle of their foyer and just like, so we can discuss this right here. I mean, the fact that she stood in a foyer is a big deal for my mom. Um, normally she would stand on the porch and talk to them through the screen door. So, but I don't know. So I'm getting a lot of calls from her and she wants me to panic. My mom loves to panic about like weather things and like sickness things and stuff like that. And she wants me to panic and she's like frustrated with me cause I'm refusing to like get on the panic bus with her. And also I'm telling her that working from home is not the same as digging ditches and she needs to calm down. And, um, my father actually is like, uh, he has some lung issues and some breathing issues. So like we are kind of worried about him, but he has to keep going to work because they aren't working from home. And like, I'm asking about him. My mom's like, oh, he's fine. But you know, I had to buy a new chair cause I wasn't gonna sit on that old chair. If I had to work from home, I already got to work from home. I'm not gonna work from home with a bag back. And I'm like, ma, <laughs> I was able to give her a get a grip the same way she did me a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. I thought I talked about that in the bonus episode, but and she was like, okay, okay. And I know I make her sound terrible, but she really does make me laugh a lot with her ridiculousness. And I also realize I probably sound just like her when I go on a rant about how cookies with M&Ms in them are tacky, cause they are. I don't know why they're tacky. I can't tell you why they're tacky. Don't ask me, they just are. Any baked good with an M&M in it is tacky to me. And my husband gets all mad at me cause he loves to put an M&M in a baked good. I don't know why. I'm just like, why do you want to keep doing that? It's just tacky to me. It's just tacky. Like a, <laughs> a coworker of mine once told me I should have a podcast just called Things I Find Tacky because it could go on forever. <laughs> and it could, it could. There's lots of things I find tacky. I don't know why they are. I can't like, this isn't a science. I can't like write down like why something's tacky. I just, I know it when I see it. And a an uh, chocolate chip cookie full of M&Ms is tacky to me. It's tacky. <laughs> and so, like, so knowing that I have little quirks like that and I go off on them all the time, sometimes I have a lot of sympathy for my mom because even though she sounds batshit crazy to me, I'm like, well, you sound like that too sometimes. <laughs> As you're slapping a cookie full of M&Ms out of one of your children's hands saying, we don't live like that. <laughs> so that's it guys. I mean, I don't have a Rona yet. <laughs> I'm probably going to get it and I'm probably going to die. And <sighs> at least I gave you one last podcast. Okay. That's it. That's it. Uh, let's talk about the actual podcast. Oh, 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 oh. let me do my spiel. Listen guys. You gotta support me on Patreon, okay? The reason you gotta support me is because this shit that I'm doing right now costs money. And I need, and I like to be reimbursed for it. I don't wanna have to pay to own a podcast. I don't wanna do that. Even though I don't understand that's how it's work, I just don't wanna do it. And so, um, by subscribing to my Patreon, it's a buck a month. You help me keep the lights on here. You help me buy equipment. You help make this like something I can do because, you know, we live in a society that worships the cult of busy. Yes, I know I'm somebody to be talking about that. But the fact is, is that like, as much as I like, I love my hobbies and stuff, when they pay for themselves and I can make a little bit of money on the side of it, it's much easier to do them. It's much easier to justify them. And right now I have more Patreons than I ever thought I was gonna have. Don't get excited, it's not that many. But it's, I make, I, I'm making the same amount of money I was making when I was hosting Spelling Tea. And so that makes me very happy. And yeah, so if you like like this content and you wanna support me and you wanna get at least one bonus episode every month, please go to uh, patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin because that is um, where you subscribe. And I, I just did a sponsored bonus episode and for Aaron and it's about Kelly Catrone, Kel on Earth. And I had a lot of fun doing it. So sometimes you get extra bonus episodes, okay? So go, go pledge, please, 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 please. And if you can't do that, please leave me a five-star review so that other people can find this fucking podcast and can listen and maybe they can be a Patreon member. 
Um, also, make sure you follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you follow me on my personal accounts. You, I mean, nothing's really going on my personal accounts there. Uh, but I, if you recall, I recently bought a fern, a Boston fern, which I named after the Wahlberg program, the Wahlberg brother I'm not scared of, Donnie. And he's still alive. He's still alive. I might get another one. This one I'm going to name Bobby Brown. Did you know Bobby Brown's from Boston? Bobby Brown's fucking crazy, guys. Crazy. He thinks he had sex with a ghost. Maybe I, maybe I should do some episodes of uh, being Bobby. You can't really find it. Maybe I can find it. And then I can tell you about my theory about Whitney fucking Houston. She ain't no fucking angel. I mean, she's dead now. Maybe she's an angel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the afterlife. I don't know how it works. But um, yeah, I have, I have some thoughts about Bobby and Whitney. Okay, it's maybe I should go and do that. But anyway, my next Boston firm is going to be named Bobby. And if you have some suggestions for some Bostonians I should be naming ferns after, please do let me know. And if you'd like to see my uh, my fern, please follow me at OKThenPrincess on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, if you want to hear my tweets from my tweets from the fields of taking care of children, um, especially when they're on quarantine and you still have to write for a fucking living follow me <laughs> all right let's get to this uh last episode of buy pumpkin ever before princess died of rona so we're doing episode eight of the first season of breaking bonaduce it's daddy's little girl so i mean we pick up where danny he's he's still at i almost said camp he's not a camp <laughs> he's in rehab it looks like fucking camp it looks like an episode of Bug Juice. So <laughs> we're, um, he's at camp, I mean, at rehab, and he's walking off, and he's, um, and Gretchen's there, and they just had these arguments from the cameras and everyone, and they're now they're smoking cigarettes and talking to each other. And Danny is saying that he's on a voodoo farm, and they're peeling back his aura, and he's telling her that by listening to all this crap, he has her back more than ever, and she tells him he needs to stay for himself. And he says that if it's for him, he's gone, he's done. And so she says, stay for us. And I guess he agrees, I guess. They finish smoking their cigs and kiss with those smoke-filled mouths and go. Now Gretchen's in therapy talking about the ropes course and the freak out, the dating hat. And Dr. G is saying that originally he wanted Gretchen to be more vulnerable. But what he realized is that when she, because Danny was saying, if she's more vulnerable, I'll be more vulnerable when we get to the root of these problems. But what he's realizing is that when he tells, when he tells her, like, I'm upset about the, when she tells him I'm upset about these things, or this is the, this is the truth, he goes off. And like, no one can be honest in those situations. And this, like, this, like, reinforces what I think is happening when they are alone. And Gretchen isn't saying things like, uh, you know, I don't want to be married to you because I'm terrified of you. It's because she can't say those things. Because if she did, he would blow the fuck up. And she only, she only gets the courage to say them in front of people or in certain situations when they're pulled out of her. And he still blows up. Now imagine, imagine how he acted last, last week. Imagine how he acted. Um, imagine no one was there but him and her. And he was acting that way. And I mean, I agree with Dr. Gary. I, I don't know. He says something like, Danny is a great salesman, but he's also his own best customer, which is a great diagnosis. And I mean, Danny definitely believes his own bullshit. So Danny is having music therapy. He's over it. He says he has equine therapy, dance therapy, Native American therapy with a turkey feather. Whatever. And I just stop going to free rehabs, Danny. If you had paid for this rehab yourself, I do not believe he did. I think either his radio station paid for it or this fucking show paid for it. Or they comped him. It, if he had paid for this rehab himself, he would have never chosen this rehab. If, or maybe he chose this rehab because they, they allowed him to film there. And there are lots of them that wouldn't. That's a possibility too. But the fact is you got something out of it. And that's why you chose this hippy dippy place 
Okay, so now you have to do hippy-dippy therapy. That's what it is. That's what it fucking is. Then you should have went to, a, if you didn't want this, then you should have went to a, th- you should have paid for your own fucking rehab and you should have gone to a rehab where they weren't in there filming you for 30 days. Um, anyway, they do it. They do music therapy and Danny's like really like skeptical of it. and But he's being affected by it. I don't know. Maybe he's bullshitting, but he tears up at one point and tells him this beats the hell out of equine therapy. And I'm like, a part of me is like, he's bullshitting. He has just decided that he's going to go with this because he wants to go home. And he's a better actor than I thought he was. Another part of me is like, you know what though? I don't know. Maybe it did do something to him. Fuck it. I don't know. So next we get to Gretchen. She's having lunch with Danny's radio agent and Gretchen is worried about Danny's career because, uh, I mean, taking a month off to, of work to go to rehab is like a big deal. But the agent says that Danny has a gift and his ratings are fantastic. He just says that like the only thing that could make Danny unsuccessful is not taking care of his health. If Danny were to like spiral out and stuff, then that's what would like ruin his career. Like if he can go to this rehab for 30 days and come back and be like tip top, that, that's a whole nother story. Um, the therapist is talking to Danny about him getting buck with the staff. That woman I thought was a director was actually a therapist. And Danny says that he, like, he's talking, what she's talking about is when he was yelling at the counselor, whoever was, was facilitating his conversation with Gretchen. And, um, she said that she had felt like coming over to confront him about it. And I would have gone over there and confronted him about it because again, this is why I don't work in rehab facilities. Oh, fuck. What is the name of that fucking movie? Guys, I gotta look it up. I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, what is the name of this fucking movie? I think it's called Thin. It might be. Um, but there is a movie about anorexics in rehab or treatment okay um I don't I guess they don't call it rehab and it's really fascinating a lot of things I don't have anorexia and I'm not gonna make a joke about being a fat person because um an eating disorder is a fucking eating disorder and um anorexia is really scary and so it's really scary um it's not really a I don't find a lot funny about it, but I did watch this documentary and it's, it follows these women through, it's four women, I think, through, um, through treatment for anorexia and some of them also have bulimia. Um, and one of the, and one of the girls ends up getting kicked out of treatment and I think she ends up dying later and they talk about, they talk about, fuck, I'm saying this wrong and I know I'm saying it wrong. So, but let me just get through this. They're, they talk about the irony of being in like a treatment facility and they have rules to keep structure in place. But the type of people who go to treatment facilities like that are used to breaking rules. And so a lot of times people get kicked out for breaking rules that don't have anything to do with the treatment. And so they can't get the help that they need. I think the girl, she gets kicked out and cause she got a tattoo or something while she was at treatment and she was smoking in her bathroom or something like that. And she ends up dying later. Um, and there's like this really heartbreaking call because I mean, these treatment facilities aren't cheap. Um, they take insurance, but a lot of people don't have insurance and people are paying daily, um, a day rate for these places. And she's like calling her parents and, you know, they've put her up in this place because, I mean, they don't want their kid to die um, from anorexia. And um, her mom's, like, begging the director to let her stay. And can she promise not to smoke in her bathroom again or whatever? I don't know. It... And so I think about that a lot, especially when I think about, like, like so when I think about Danny and rehab, like... Obviously, he's going to break rules. He's a rule breaker. You don't smoke crack behind a dumpster unless you're a rule breaker. 
You have to be that type of person. And so, yeah, they're going to blow up at staff. Now, me personally, this is why I can't work there because I'm, I'm not going to let you break up with, uh, blow up at me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you break up with me either. <laughs> but I'm not going to let you blow up at me. Okay. So like, and I feel like there's some decorum that needs to be followed or it's chaos, but you also have to have, I can also see it the other way. You have to have like, you have to go at these the right way. With my foster kids, I am always like, like I, I was talking about my, my, my adopted kids are really mad at me right now. Another one of my foster kids is mad at me because they think I'm being like soft on new fosters. I'm not, I, you just can't go from zero to a hundred. You, there are certain things that have to be like, okay, well, I'm gonna put the bar on the ground and I'm gonna catch you doing good and I'm gonna catch you doing the most minuscule right thing and I'm gonna let you see how good that feels to be praised for doing the right thing and I'll raise the bar up a little bit and I could go out the other way but I don't think it'll work and so I can understand how this therapist is like yeah you know I wanted to come over and confront you but I didn't because I can imagine what would that do we're gonna get in a big fight that's what's gonna happen and you're gonna try to leave and so yeah, I get that part. This is, but this is why I don't work at a rehab. This is why I don't do that. Also, because I'm not qualified to work at a rehab <laughs> for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> I'm qualified to do zero things at a rehab. <laughs> but um, Danny says that he went and asked the guy if he had hurt his feelings, which I'm like, what is that? Is that an apology or were you like? You blow up at someone and you go behind and you're like, oh, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. That's not an apology, but she, she asks him, what does it feel like to have to be apologizing all the time? And he says it doesn't feel good. If you, I mean, you get the hang of it because, I mean, he do, half the things he does, half the time he's apologizing, the other half he's doing things to apologize for. Um, and one of the things he says that really struck me is that he is working on talking less because he's always felt like he talks before he thinks. And also he feels like whatever he has to say is like a big enough deal that like people should be lucky to hear it. But the older he gets, the more he realizes that like he needs to stop saying as much and he wishes he could say less. Um, the rehab director is now leading Danny in, medit in meditation. Now the rehab director is the lady I saw the first day. And are these fucking title job titles correct it seems more like i don't know i don't know the rehab director leads you in therapy okay fine um so she's like using his kid as a focus point um and having him think about birthdays and holidays and times they spent together but danny's having a hard time with that because he was drunk for most of them um he specifically talks about dante's baptism which is blank and he knows that he was there because he sees he's seen pictures and he knows that he has he's been baptized because he has godparents but he doesn't remember any of it he doesn't remember a lot of things and that's a sobering thought i mean not not literally but it's, it's a sobering thought for me to be like i can't remember like i know i have a good time with my kids but i can't remember because i'm usually drunk i can't remember um the christmas we uh taught little so-and-so to ride a bike because I get drunk on Christmas. I'm drunk all day. <laughs> I don't know. It has to be terrible to live like that. Next thing we get a scene of Isabel parenting Dante while Gretchen watches. Dante's running around like a little wild animal because he's a toddler and toddlers, the definition of a toddler is a little wild animal. Okay. That's what they do. They are they're realizing they're stronger than they've ever been. <laughs> they're more mobile than they've ever been. They're trying everything out. They realize they can make a loud noise. They realize they can do, th they, they have powers. It feels like they have powers. And because, because think about it, when you're a baby, you're just kind of sitting places and people bringing things to you. And by the time you get to walking and toddling and being, and being this age where you're a little bit more sufficient in your movements and stuff, you finally can just leave if you want to. It's the, being a toddler is the first time you can just leave. Think about in your life, 
as an adult listening to this, I don't think any children are listening to this, right? As an adult, as an adult listening to this, think about all the awesome times you just got your fucking purse and left. Okay. Toddlers are just now experiencing that. They're just now tasting like, like they are powerful beyond all measure. Okay. They're like Spider-Man when he realizes he's Spider-Man. He starts jumping off of buildings and swinging around. It's amazing to them. But that also makes them little assholes, okay? So that's what Dante's doing. He's just running around the house, grabbing things, pushing things. Um, he's he's outside. I think he's, I think he's messing with a, that um, electric skateboard that Danny was, was riding on. And... Isabel's following behind him and ripping things out of his hand and telling him no means no. And Gretchen is walking quite slowly, <laughs> casually <laughs> up to them. And, and finally, and like Dante's not really listening to her. And finally she picks him up and said, let's go inside. Let's go inside until these guys leave. And I think she's talking about the camera crew. Um, you know, it's quite possibly turns up for the cameras. I think all kids do. This is why I take reality TV kids with like a grain of fucking salt because... When the cameras show up, it's very easy for, just like if like um, you have guests and stuff, it's very easy for your kids to turn into like a, a sitcom kid. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're like all sassy and they got something to say to you every time you say something to them. And they sit and then you're like, hey, sit down for dinner. And they're like, oh brother, is it gonna be edible tonight? Like sitcom kids, cause those aren't real fucking kids. That's not how kids talk to people. And it's certainly not how kids talk to me, but. <laughs> But um, if you get an audience for them, a lot of kids turn into sitcom kids. And so I can imagine like um, Gretchen being like, okay, he's already on one and he's on like two now because you guys are here. So I'm going to take you back inside. Um, but Isabel goes to sit on, Isabella goes to sit on the, um, the swing set. And under her breath, she yells, she says, worst mom ever. Our worst mother in the world. <sighs> so Gretchen is talking to Dr. Gary about Isabel's parentification. They both agree that like part of the reason it's amping up is it's a control mechanism. I was a parentified kid. I was a precocious kid. That's why I hate them. Um, were you a precocious kid? I'll tell, let you know. If anyone ever said to you, something like you should be a lawyer when you're like eight it's because you ask too many fucking questions and you argue too much if someone said stuff like if if more than one person said things like that to you you were you were like a pain in the ass kid and I was a particularly precocious child because I was reading at higher levels than um other children and my age and I was in the adult section far before I should have been and I thought I knew everything and I was just like I, you know, a lot of times when I'm like really frustrated with my youngest son, the one I call Mr. Weirdo, when I'm really frustrated with him, I like to think back about all the stuff I used to did. Um, I used to do, excuse me, when, when I was younger, that used to like drive my mother, my mom, like fucking crazy. I would like write letters to myself from like famous people like Michael Jackson and Princess Diana, and I would address them, but not and put them in the mail, but not put in uh, a stamp on it. So they would send it back, and I would act as if I gotten mail from these people, and I'd just be like, "Oh, excuse me, oh that that's for me. Um, it's just Michael Jackson. Um, dear Princess, it's Mike and Bubbles. Like I would." <laughs> And anytime anyone would get me upset about anything, I would like take out a like a legal pad and like write a notice. Like it wasn't a letter because it always started with to whom it may concern. And I would just like write out what I was upset about and be like, and just so you know, that is when my brother Sean took my Sharpie. And like, and then I would post them places in the house because no one wanted to read them. Or if no, if people ignore them long enough, I would get the paper and I would stand someplace where all the, where everyone's, yeah, I don't know, just eating dinner or watching TV and start to read them. Like, <laughs> I was obsessed with like, 
I was obsessed with commercials. I used to get a little bucket of water. <laughs> I used to get a little bucket of water and a, and a paintbrush and walk around trying to sell people my brightener is what I called it. Because when you put water on things, it looks darker or it looks like a little brighter. So I'd be like doing like an infomercial, trying to get people to buy, to pay me to put water on their fence. Like it was so fucking weird. And my mom just let me a lot of times. She, she really, if it wasn't hurting her, if it wasn't, if I wasn't like on her, really on her nerves, like if I wasn't like standing right by her doing it, she would be like, she'd be like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> do it, do it. I don't care, do it. And I, she had to take me to the doctor because I had this little, I have this little, I still have it actually. It's a, um, a self-soothing thing where if I'm concentrating on something or I'm zoning out, I kind of hum. I can't do it for you because I can't do it consciously. It just, it just happens. And so she had to take me to someone to be seen for this. And he was just like, it's just what she does. <laughs> First of all, I, she couldn't make me do it in the, in the fucking office. And then like, I mean, he basically told her if it's not hurting anyone. And I still do it to this fucking day. To this day, if I am like painting my nails or doing a puzzle sometimes, it's a self-soothing thing I do to like, or sometimes if I get upset and I'm like zoning out or concentrating on something to like keep, it's a self-soothing thing I do. I can't do it because I can't do it consciously and I can't hear it unless you tell, unless you tell me I'm doing it. You have to be like, why are you humming? And I'll be like, what? Huh? <laughs> and I'll stop. <laughs> what a fucking weirdo. And so I always think about those things, like how my kid's driving me crazy with all this little shit he wants to do. Like go to sleep with an LOL surprise ski hat on. <laughs> or how he's obsessed with rocks and how his pockets are always full of rocks. His desk at school is full of rocks. His book bag is full of rocks. Wherever he goes, if he sees some rocks, he picks them up and pick. And we, he got rocks for Christmas, like a rock collection. Hasn't stopped him. Hasn't stopped him. He just, he likes rocks. That's it. He likes rocks. And if your laundry's full of fucking rocks and it ruins the laundry machine, what, what's he going to do about it? He can't help it. He just likes rocks. I, I say all this to say that I think a lot about what I was like as a child and how annoying I, I must have been and how, um, I was also very parentified as well. Um, and how like it's constantly like, um, during a particularly poor period of my uh, childhood, um, my mom, uh, me and me and my mom were homeless at the time and, my mom's gas tank would be always be very close to empty. And I would sit in the back seat and be like, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. Ma, mom, mama, it's getting closer. And I would like, like track her, her gas tank usage. And I got to the point where she lied to me and told me there was another gas tank under the car that would kick in once this one was empty. So don't worry about it. <laughs> like I used to do stuff like that. So I, I like, for one thing, I understand Isabella a lot and she they are right dr gary and gretchen are are correct in that she is trying to um control her world the best way she can and this is the best way she can one of those things is being over um parental to dante criticizing her mom and like just like checking on everything and like making sure everything's okay that's what she's doing but She's trying to fix everything and she's blaming Gretchen a lot. And there's a, there's a scene where Isabel's supposed to be doing her homework, but she's, she's like walking away from Gretchen doing the homework because she wants to tell someone named Jacqueline to watch Dante. She's like, I just want to make sure she's watching him. And Gretchen doesn't say anything about that. Gretchen tells her she's, that she probably stayed up too late and she's overly tired and that's why. And that's why she's crabby, which might be true. Kids need fucking sleep. They don't want it. It's hard to put them to bed, but you have to like... They need sleep. They really, everybody needs sleep, but kids especially need sleep. Um, but Isabel tells her she's not crabby. She's just missing her daddy. And she says it 
the way she looks at Gretchen when she says it is like, and you're the reason he's not here. And <laughs> I mean, you can't, there's no point in like trying to answer unsaid things, right? She didn't say it. I mean, she looked like she wanted to say it, but she didn't say it. So there's no point in being like, and why do you think I'm the reason he's not here? But I wish <sighs> they talk about Isabella, like she's like very mature, but they talk to her like she isn't. They give her partial information, which is understandable. You should give kids um, age appropriate information, right? The thing, what, what we can talk about age appropriately at 15 is different than 10, is different than five. It's, we need to talk about, we need to keep it within an, an appropriate range. But they give her so much information, but not the correct information. And like I said in a couple of other episodes, like I don't think, and at this point, they also build Danny up like he is the best thing since sliced fucking bread. And I get that everybody loves their parents. They all do, regardless of their mistakes and regardless of what they've done to them. Um, it's not, you know, it's not universal, but you'll be surprised the trauma a parent can put a child through and a child will still be like, I love, you know, I want my mom. I want my dad because I don't know. It's just, sometimes it works out that way. So I, it's not like I think they can be like, well, listen, Danny's an asshole and not even Danny could tell her that. But I think, I think part of the mythology of this family is they is that Gretchen and Danny build Danny up to be this amazing daddy this amazing husband this like he's the funniest he's the best and so when he has these other problems they're just like well they're just minor things and so if daddy's not here it must be mommy's fault because we don't build mommy up like that I remember I talked about it earlier about seeing that tweet um about how Many of us were daddy's girls, not because our moms did anything, but because they had the burden of raising us and parenting us most of the time. Even the people like me, I have a father who's very like, there's not a lot of women's work in our house. We don't do, my, my dad always cooked and cleaned and nurtured and showed up for lunches and think when he could and stuff. But we really elevated him because he didn't have to be, because he was in the military, he was gone quite a bit. He, um, gender regular like gender roles people fell into because he didn't have to be the one to argue about my hair with me and he got to come home at the end of the day and like walk me to the store and buy me a candy bar like that created this way where I was always at odds with my mother and then I'd be like well you know my dad wouldn't make me do this well he wouldn't or maybe he would but he wasn't there right then and so I can like elevate him to saint status and I think that happens a lot with Danny and Gretchen I think I said it from the first episode he is more of a friend than he is a parent and I th and Gretchen's a stay-at-home mom and Gretchen's the one that has that tells you you have to brush your hair and Gretchen's the one that says you have to wear matching socks and Gretchen's the one fighting with you with your homework and daddy shows up at 11 o'clock after He's been on the radio all day and then he went out for, then he went, had to go to a team building strip club event or whatever. And he shows up at 11 o'clock and he gives you kisses and he tells you you're perfect. And he, I don't know, gives you $20 out of his wallet or whatever. So yeah, it's real easy in those cases to like elevate that one person. But, and some of this is unintentional. Okay. Some of this is, some of this is fucking society. It's the way it's, it's like, it's bigger than you. It's, it's the way society determines gender roles. It's the way, it's, it's things stuck in the way we raise children that we haven't quite figured out yet. But it still is up to the person being elevated on the pedestal to turn and say, okay, I know you're mad at mom right now because she wanted, because she told you that you have to come in at this time. But if I were here, I would have said the same thing. And let me list five things your mom does for you that I don't do and that you should be grateful for. So, I mean, there, it doesn't matter if I were here, I would agree with mom. 
like that is the job that that's what you he's supposed to be doing that I don't think he does that and I really think Isabella is of the mind that her father's just entertaining amazing guy who just got a couple of problems and her mom is the one who's not like meeting him halfway when I'm and I'm sure she knows details about like the affair and different things that they don't think she knows but I really think they should explain things to her in a better way I mean I here I just fucking said that she probably wouldn't believe them but if you had started explaining things to her if you're gonna give her some of it you should give her enough of it that she has some context for it and if you had done that from the beginning then she wouldn't be here thinking that her father going to rehab is her mother's fault. Anyway, so back at the rehab, Danny has finally drank the Kool-Aid and he's like, well, he hasn't drank the Kool-Aid. He's trusting the process is what he's doing. He stopped trying to fly his own fucking plane and he's letting other people do it. He's like just participating, just being there, just keeping an open mind. And it's a montage. So I'm guessing that happened over four or five days, maybe a week. Remember, he's only there for 30 days. Um... So, but he's just like, he's building things. He's building a bench for Isabella. He's participating in classes. As the montage goes, there are different staff members that are doing voiceovers about how great Danny's been participating and how he's been wonderful. Um, It's hard for me to watch this (laughs) because like, it's a really hopeful moment. And obviously like if, if the world was a wonderful place where right good things happened, then Danny would have gone to this rehab and he would have been like, okay, I'm ready to move forward and I'm going to do something about this, about everything that's, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to work my program and I'm going to, first I'm going to stay sober. That's going to be helpful. I'm not going to be too so drunk that I put myself in situations that harm my marriage and my kids and my family. Um, and then I'm going to really work on the problems I have in my marriage so that we can move forward. But I know, and you know, and anybody who knows even a little bit about rehab or treatment or anything like that is that it is very easy to be good at rehab at rehab because you're in a bubble and all your resources are right there. And it's easy to not drink there because they're not offering alcohol there. It's easy not to go out and pop your pills because they're because your pills aren't there and the guy who gives you your pills aren't isn't there and that said I don't know if Danny's not on pills right now I don't know if that's true he's a celebrity in a rehab that allows you to film in it (laughs) I it's quite possible they let him keep his shit I don't know so like I know the show wants me to look at this montage and be like, oh, thank goodness he's getting it together. But that's not what I was thinking. I was looking at it going, ugh, this isn't going to end badly. So Danny calls Isabella at home and Isabella at home and says they can come up that Dante, Isabella and Gretchen can come up today. He's already cleared the rehab this time. Good boy. And he's talking to the therapist and he's just saying that he can't wait to see his daughter. Um, He's so close to her, but he's worried. He's just going to end up saying the same thing he always says, which is, I love you. I'm sorry. I miss you. And he doesn't think it's, he doesn't think that's good enough. And he's right. It's not. I mean, Isabella will take it because she's been trained and traumatized to take it. She's been trained and traumatized to say that when you say it's going to get better, she's going to believe in that because she needs to. But no, it's not. It's not good enough. Um... I just want to say as they drive up there or down there or wherever the fuck it is, Isabel's in the front seat of the car wearing half a seatbelt. And this killed me. Now, I, listen, I'm not Liz Bentley. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not like a, a strict purist when it comes to car seats and, and, and whatnot. Uh, as Liz always acknowledges when she criticizes someone's car seat, like the laws are very varied, um, varied between states they're, some of them are quite vague and they are not up to, they, they don't, they haven't caught up to like science. So legally there's all kinds of things you can do. And I'm not saying I don't do it, <laughs> but the idea of Isabel sitting in the front seat with a half a fucking car seat on 
kills me. One, she shouldn't be in the front seat. And two, if, as I tell my kids who all, who do not want to wear car seats, who do not want booster seats, and my two new fosters are nine and 10, and so they're big enough um, to, um, to have, um, in terms of like, height and weight and age, they are big enough to not have to use a booster seat. I mean, they would look quite crazy in booster seats, but I always tell them, like, if I look back there and you've got half that seatbelt on, the top half of that seatbelt off, if you can't put it on because it's uncomfortable, it means you need a booster seat. And they're always like, we don't need one, we don't need one. I'm like, okay, then put the fucking seatbelt on because, like, just put the seatbelt on. So I'm just like, I, and it, it wasn't like she was just up there because, they got in there and they were filming. No, she was there the whole ride there. And I don't know. What was this? What year was this? I always forget. But they shouldn't be. I, no, 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 no. <sighs> okay. So Isabella is super, super, super happy to see her dad. And because of course she is, like I said, everybody loves every, you'd be surprised when you can love a parent through you'd be surprised um also like all the like all the societal pressure we get about parents is that like well you've got to love your parents or you got to forgive your parents well your parents that relationship is forever a father is forever a mother's forever like like just in i've been thinking a lot about what we tell children based on like um kids programming and like Anything you would get from a Doc McStuffins or a Paw Patrol is that like mom and dads, you should always listen to your mom and dad and mom and dads are forever and they're, and, and they, they're not going to be wrong. They won't steer you wrong. And like, that's a fine message for a child. But when you don't live in circumstances like that, when mom and dad are not trustworthy people or mom and dad are making big mistakes. It's real. it's hard for them. Um, maybe I'll talk about it on a bonus episode. Um, but I have a kid in my care right now that's, that's transitioning home and I am happy for her because it's where she wants to be. And I, that's what's going to happen. But if I told you the circumstances in which she gotten to care you would be terrified and and no progress has been made on that on that in, on that front because the her mom refuses to acknowledge that it ever happened and and over the years she's got many kids in care over the time of the case all the kids recanted their story because they were because and it's just like, my mom would never hurt me. My mom would never do that. My mom, but she did. And there were many, many witnesses, including the six of you. And, but I gotta say it again, every, like, kids want their parents and they will jump through mental hoops. They will hop over puddles of trauma to get there if, if they can, because we tell her, like, as a society, we tell ourselves that a family is forever and that a mom and a dad are supposed to be there for like, like you can't be mad at them. You have to make up with them. Think, think about all those like advice columns where people write in about where they're always like, my mom never loved me. She ran off when I was five years old and left me in the care of my dad. Um, I've only seen her twice since then. Both times she asked me for money and was drunk. Well, I have a kid now and I want my kid to have a grandma. Maybe I should give it another chance. And and you're like, what? what? Well, it's because they're, it's because it's not about the person that's their mother. It's about capital N mother. And people are like that about capital F fathers too. Isabel's like that. So she's super happy to see him. And she loves her father, even though he's Danny Bonaducci. And he gives her something he made. It's like something he made in like a, a woodwork not a woodworking like a metalworking class and he tells her that it's proof that he could sit through a metalworking class and participate without you know even though everyone looks crazy in there 
And she laughs because she thinks all his jokes are funny. And he said that he wants to give it to her as a promise he will never steal 30 days from her again, which is a wonderful thing to say. It, it, it's a wonderful sentiment. I'm not saying he doesn't mean it. I'm, I'm saying it's very easy to say something like that. And um, she responds with, it's not your fault. And yes, it is. <laughs> now, we can debate about like whether, like, a, whether the perception of addiction as a disease and like, is it genetic and like, is it your fault or anything? Like, we can debate about that. And I, I like, I, who the fuck am I? I don't fucking know. But the things Danny has done to get to where he is, is his fault. Like his addiction has not absolved him of any responsibility. I think that's where people get, get like, get like confused. It's not, if someone tells you addiction, if, if you believe addiction is a disease, which is a, a font, which is a, I, I there's evidence for, for that perception, right? You still don't get to be like, so then the stuff I did when I was drunk and put you through is not my responsibility. It's still your responsibility. Um, it's still, he still attempted to kill himself in the house, which we later find out with the kids because Dante's talking about all the blood and shit. We still attempt, he still tried to kill himself in the house because Gretchen was leaving while his children were there. The fact that he was drunk, I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but it doesn't absolve him of that. The things he's put Isabel through are his choices. I don't think it's his fault that he's an, he's an alcoholic and a drug addict and a, and a, and a sex addict. I don't think that's his fault. I would never say be like, well, that's what you get for trying alcohol. (laughs) I would never be like that. But I am going to say that now that, that once you knew you were one and you've known you've been one a long time, you still have to own your choices to continue to use. Even if I can say to myself, like, I can understand how hard it is to quit. I can understand how easy it is to fall back into that. You have to own your response. You have to own your shit. And I think that's part of, I think that's an important part of sobriety as well, because and it's not just, I mean, this isn't a, just, this doesn't just go to sobriety. It goes for a lot of things. If you think that you cannot control anything, then that means you can't make anything better because it, it's all outside forces that make the things happen. So if, if you really believe that your addiction, that there's nothing you personally can do to keep yourself sober, then what's the point of this? How? What are we going to do? And so like, you have to take some personal responsibility. You have to be like, you have to take responsibility for your choices. You, you have to do that in order to get sober and to formulate a plan to stay sober. I feel like, I don't know. I hope you guys understand what I'm trying to say there. It's, it's, it, it is his fault. It is his fault. Um, it is his fault. He's in rehab right now. And it is his fault. His marriage is, I mean, it's partially Gretchen's fault too, but it is his fault. All the things that have been happening with Gretchen, it is his fault. All the trauma that he personally has put her through. He has reasons behind it, but it doesn't change his fault. He, she also says, I'm going to help you get better. And he's like, will you? And I know I hate to keep raining on people's parades. I know that that looks like a cute father daughter um, moment to a lot of people, but it doesn't look like that to me. I would never let a child tell me something like that. These kids tell me all the time they want to buy me things. I let them make me stuff, but they're always like looking for money. Like one of my fosters asked me what size I am so he could buy me some clothes. He's not in charge of buying me clothes. I buy him clothes. He can, when he says he wants to help me, are you saying you want to like help me tidy up around the house or help me cook something? That's one thing. But I would never allow a child to tell me they were going to help me like stay sober. 
I would never, I would never find, I would never let them say that. Because if I don't stay sober, then, and you were helping me, then what does that mean? Is it your fault? No, it's not your fucking fault. So, like, if she had said that to me, I would have been like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you so much for wanting to help me. But you know what? This is one of those things that's mine, you know? And I'm an adult, and I'm, you know what? I'm going to help you with your stuff. Don't worry. That's what, but they talk, because Isabel, you know what it is? Isabella says adult type things because she's modeling because uh you can tell for quite a while she was an only child and i'm sure they well being only being an only child is already hard enough because you're around adults all the time and so you start mirroring what adults say to each other and so then you sound like an adult and once you sound like an adult people start treating you like you're, you're an adult which is the wrong thing to do but okay you're still a fucking child but like i think that what they've done is they've been like well she's so mature she just said this to me. She just said she was going to help me stay sober. She's so mature. No, she, if she were mature, she'd know she couldn't. <laughs> if that, but she's not mature. She's not. So she's saying things like, I'm going to help you stay sober and don't worry, daddy. Like, the very thing that they think means it's okay to talk to her like this is the very thing that means it's not. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Um, listen, Danny's talking a good talk and he's taking responsibility for a lot of things, which is very important. Like he stopped telling Gretchen that the fairer was her fault and that she pushed him to it. He's like, you know, I did that. That was me. He's thanking her for suggesting rehab and saying it was a good idea. And Gretchen is cautiously optimistic and she should be. She should be. Like I said, rehab is not real life. You've got to leave there in this beautiful bubble where everything's at your, all the resources are at your fingertips. Everyone else is of the same mindset. Well, mostly. I'm sure there are people in rehab. I mean, of course there are people in rehab who don't really want to be sober. But if you want to, you can, so you can surround yourself with people who have the same mindset as you. And it's, I almost said easy. I'm not going to say easy because that's not true either. It's easier to be sober and to be on the right path when you're surrounded by all that. It is harder to do it when you're back in your regular environments with your regular people and your regular triggers and your regular habits. It's harder to do it there. And so like she should be cautiously optimistic. I personally, um, I've seen my mom through rehab. I've seen a couple of other like friends as well. And I mean, the friends, they didn't, they didn't affect me as much as my mom did. And I was very much like, I was very much, when she came out of rehab, I was very much like, okay, well, give it a shot. <laughs> give it a shot, man. See how you do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about my mom's like that particular part of, of, um, me and my mom's relationship when she like getting her to rehab, when she got to rehab, when she got out of rehab. And I mean, it was a long time ago, guys, at this point, but, um, it's just, gosh, I'm about to be 40. It's, it's probably 20 years. It's 20 years ago, but it was just a really hard time in everybody's lives. But it was also very funny because like I said, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you got to fucking cry. Um, and that's when it comes to rehab. And that's when it comes to Rona. That's when it comes to Danny Bonacci. <laughs> Listen, next week we get to talk a lot about Gretchen and, and uh, Danny's sex life. And hopefully the Rona takes me before then. Hopefully I'm dead before then. But if I'm not, I will be here. And I will be, you know, I'll be here. I'm going to try, like I said, I'm going to try to get some guests on. But it's it's getting harder and harder because I have less time to, to record now that everybody's home being quarantined. And, um... We'll see. But there's only like three episodes left, guys. There's only three episodes left in the season. And so like, I'm really excited as we close this down. And yeah. Um, yeah, excited. I, don't, I know I don't sound excited, but I am. I'm also going to be doing um, a, another bonus episode as we close out March. I don't know what it's going to be about. It might be a princess fix my life. 
where I do, where I answer advice questions that no one asks me advice for. <laughs> Might do that. Or there's, you know what? I got a couple other things up my sleeves. So underneath my sleeves, whatever, whatever the saying is, I got a couple more things. We'll see you next week, guys.